Royce on all to Fearless in Devotion, sponsored by the Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant, of course. Liam, quickly, three words to describe the Fat Boar. Off the top of your bounce. Uh Absolutely bloody delicious. Was that three or four? <laughs> that was three. There was swearing in there, so there's a markdown for that, but uh, that's very true. Uh, today should be a very interesting <laughs> podcast, as we'll be discussing the end of an era, the beginning of the end, as the cop is finally dismantled. Uh, We'll be discussing our favourite memories as well as explaining all the details you need to know about the new COP, including what the actual flip is a phosphate. Uh, We'll also have a special guest who is a Notts County fan who will discuss who indeed, who will be uh, on to discuss the developing title race as well as uh, detailed analysis of the best players available on the transfer market for Notts and possibly Wrexham at the moment. But first of all, let's talk about Altrincham, FA Trophy, we're out. Uh, two all, lost on penalties, essentially a second string and a youth side. Uh, Tim, what did you make of it? Uh, sketchy. I mean, it was initially sketchy. We were pretty poor to begin with, looked all over the place. And then gradually got a bit of a foothold in the game. And obviously Jake Bickerstaff, highly regarded by Parkey and, and those at the club. Two nice finishes. I can see him, I genuinely can see him breaking into this first team at some point, especially if injuries bite. So he was a big plus for me. Um, I think a lot lot of the people who came in did all right. Um, I can't remember, I mean, Cannon was always looking for a forward pass. He was never looking to go backwards, which is always a good thing. Um, And yeah, I I know much has been said so far about about Lane today. I know he's coming back from a, a major injury and he might be a bit apprehensive about stuff. I just thought, I don't know, I was just expecting him to be a little bit more on it. He was a bit flappy for the first. Um, but it'll, it'll come, won't it? It'll, it'll have to come. But it's just, where, I don't know where these reserve games have disappeared to. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good run out for that side, wasn't it? Andy, um, I mean, what, what, what did you make of it? It seems to me quite impressive that a pretty much a second string side with only two players who sort of threaten the starting 11... Um, Drew against a mid a strong mid table side. Yeah, I mean, I understand what Tim's saying about Leighton. He needs games, but you know, where's he going to get these games from? Um, you would worry a little bit if he was if Howard got injured and he was thrown straight back into it and had to play the rest of the season. Um, it's got to be a gradual thing for him because this is a this is a really painful injury that he's going to be thinking about. Now, the great thing about Leighton is he was always so brave, and that's why he's always so injured. So, you know, you don't want to take that away from him, but he knows that another injury could be it for him. That's got to be messing with his head a little bit. You know, I I really rate him. I think he's probably the best conference keeper we've had. Um, So, you know, I want him to come back and and be strong. Um, Again, what Tim was saying about Bickerstaff, he looks, the cameos I've seen him, he looks really good. Is he good enough now that if Mullin got injured, he could come in and and replace him. Um, that I'm not really sure about. You know, Mullin's firing away one of the best players in the league. You know, B- bigger staff could come in for a couple of games, but I think if we did lose him for a little bit, you might have to go into the uh, transfer or loan market. Yeah, apart from that, good run out for Lennon. Um, the trophy has given us what we wanted, which is to get some of these players a, a few more minutes. But I think it's the right time for us to come out of it now because it's going to start hitting Saturdays. And the last thing we need is to be is to be missing out and having to play a lot of Tuesday games 
you know, other ends of the country. We don't need that. We've got our, our eyes on the prize here. It's got to be the league. Liam, on Bickerstaff there, you know, really impressive uh, game. Is there an argument that he offers something off the bench now that's different? You know, we've been crying out for some pace off the bench up front to change a game maybe or to, to kill a game off. Is there an argument that he should be getting a place on the bench and one of Palmer or Dolby should be sitting out of the sort of matchday squad? Uh, I'm not so sure about the sort of dropping Dolby or Palmer from matchday squad, but I think he, he's, he's making a strong case. I mean, whenever you know the question's been asked of him, he's always stepped up, looks like quite a natural goal scorer. I think the, the issue you have, though, is just the, the amount of, well, I suppose not strength in numbers, but strength in quality that we have up front. Um, Dolby against Coventry, absolutely superb. If he could keep up that sort of form, you know, asking questions there as well. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely an argument for a place on the bench. If he chucks anyone else out of the team, I would be. I think that would be a stretch at the minute. And I think we all agree with Andy, though, that uh, we're all pretty pleased that we're not no longer in the FA Trophy. Is that fair? That's no disrespect to the trophy, of course. We've had many, many a good run, but we don't care, do we? That's a glorious defeat I wanted, just in the wrong competition, mate. <laughs> well, I'd rather still be in the FA Cup than the FA Trophy. So I'm not at this stage of the season, so I'm not uh, not complaining too much. Um, but let's move on now anyway to discuss the COP. Tim, it's an emotional time, isn't it? But also the start of uh, an exciting future. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird. It's been uh, laid dormant for so long, this grand old giant thing that's just been gathering moss and dust and dirt and then blink and all of a sudden it's gone. Like literally, no no real, not, not so much forewarning that was set in stone. It was just like, oh yeah, we're going to be removing it bit by bit. And literally it's gone like you know this time last week it was there on Tuesday it was there and now it's not and um it's a big change I know people say well it's just concrete it's it's a massive thing because it's all I've ever known it's all generations before me have ever known and even those that that have seen us in in the, in the conference only they've just seen this as this chasm of of memories from the past that they that they can't maybe relate to, but their their dads and their grandfathers can. So it's it's a strange old time and it's weird. I went past it; it's very odd. But by the same same token, very excited for what's coming. You know, it's going to be massive, and you don't realize how big that plot is until you've seen it demolished. It's a big old piece of land. It's massive. It really is huge. So I'm excited to to see what comes. From, from the new stand, it's going to be amazing. And he's hoping it goes up as quick as what the old one came down, to be honest. And Tim, we're going to talk through some memories now, aren't we? We are, we are. I'll, uh, we'll, I'll read some out and then I'm going to get everybody's um, on, on the panel, the pod panel here. So thanks to everybody who replied to the, uh, the message on, on Twitter asking for your memories. We've had a lot. Um, we can't read them all out because we'll be here all day, but we'll read as many as we possibly can. So here's a few. We've got Leslie Griffiths, um, beating Middlesbrough in the FA Cup in January 1974. I'm going to have to delve into that one to make see understand why it's so special. Uh, Lee Williams put, in the late 70s, my dad untied with a cushion my nan had made for me so I could sit on the barrier 
We had a few people say that. They, they had cushions and stools to sit on the barriers there. Uh, the Alex Hamilton walkabout says Gareth Webber, pure unbridled madness. That indeed was. I, I wish there was. Is, is there still video footage of that knocking about? I don't know. I'll have to check. Um, Gareth Challoner, the Will and Gins Middlesbrough in the FA Cup was my favourite memory. Borough Janino then, and the cop was shouting, chop him every time he got the ball. Earliest memory was the loss to Everton in the League Cup. Uh, we still had the fence to stop people entering the pitch. Uh, David Pruddich, um, first ever time in the cop was, and his first evening kickoff was Anderlecht in the Cup Winners' Cup. He's blown away by the noise, the smell of beer and tobacco, being jostled around. The few new words, but were also looked after by fellow fans. We loved it, a memory I hope never fades. Um, ex Wrexham and Wales international Neil Roberts, a dream come true, standing in the cot with my friends, watching my footballing heroes to eventually score the last ever goal in front of Wrexham fans and watching on onwards and upwards, but never forget your past. Uh, E16, my first and last in memory, standing in a milk crate in the early 70s to see over the barrier. Uh, missed most of the game, but I can remember the atmosphere now. Uh, George Griffiths or George Griff um, seeing Chris Gunter make his debut for Wales very special and it is when you think about many, many caps he's, he's had for Wales uh, Thomas Goosey nine year old on my tiptoes just about just able to see Gary Bennett score the winner from the spot versus Ipswich in the FA Cup third round with my dad and a mate the moment I got hooked um, I'll just read a few more before I pass it on to the other lads uh, Gareth Evans another former Wrexham player watching Wrexham versus Millsburg again and Gaza in the FA Cup. Christian Zieger hitting a shot that landed right in my hands. Um, oh, there's just there's so many. I'll read, I'll read two more out because otherwise it's going to be overkill. Uh, Ali Davis, he sort of wrapped up with a few. Mark Hughes versus Spain. Um, Michael Aitken making the game look so easy. Steve Buxton versus Rails Aragossa. Though your euphoric feeling this is the Gunners, the Gooners, I should say. And being one of the few hardy souls versus Tom Pencher in a Welsh Cup tie February 1988, never been so cold. Uh, and lastly, I'll do one more. Uh, Spirit of 78, 1978 versus Liverpool. John Lyons equalises on a stroke of half-time. The cops on Kesarasara for the whole of the half-time break, never stopping once. Absolute goosebumps. Must have been over 10,000 packed onto the cop that night. So, yeah, everybody's got... Uh, countless memories of the place and they attribute it to certain games or you know things of the family just just rituals of being there really that you know are going to be um carried out again in the in a brand spanking new cop so onwards and upwards there's a few more isn't there have you got some more for us i think you've got a few more. yes i've got some more here as well uh we've got pete blakemore saying uh regularly beating cardiff and swansea in the late 90s early noughties and being the best club side in Wales. Mike Andrew says, um, petrified in 1977 versus Port Vale. Why, why would he be petrified? Mm, I don't know. I mean, Port Vale have been there before and they've been a bit naughty. So we'll have ah, to okay. expand on it. <laughs> yeah, please tell us more, Mike. Vale.com. There you go. Yeah. Watching Rotherham with Dad in 78 and Sparky's goal versus England. Another vote for that in 84, Mike, uh, Mark Hughes. Uh, the first game versus Rail Zaragoza in the Cup Winners' Cup, says Paul Todd. Uh, Colchester in the Hailstones, Arsenal in the FA Cup, hanging on the fence, shouting something that I'm not going to uh, say on the podcast <laughs> about a certain Arsenal goalkeeper and his lack of certain something. Uh, John Carrier says, um, my favourite memory is sheltering under the pigeon loft when it poured with rain in 6970. Uh, Loft was then replaced, um, stood next to Frank Worthington when he came to see his nephew Gary play for us. 
Gareth Belton says the Hull game, which ended 2 all around 1992 or 93. Ryan Peters says taking my first walk through the turnstiles to a football game 24 years ago with my granddad, who's no longer with us. Um, the smell of death emanating from the gents' bogs couldn't take away from that site when he got to the top of the bank. <laughs> okay. Uh, Daryl Hughes uh, also says Mark Hughes' goal versus Spain. Joey's weekly fist bump. Jim Steele's header versus Porto and beating Rotherham 7-1 in 1978. And also at the end, he says, being on there with your mates, which I think says it all. Um, Tim Purcell says he remembers playing Man United in the Cup Winners' Cup in 1990. Uh, 13,000 in the ground. Uh, Josh Davis says Middlesbrough in 99 with his dad and granddad. Nine years old, first giant killing. And the first time she remembers the cop being rammed and he had to sit on the barrier just to see. Um, we've got something from Learn to Drive who says kicking the back panel to make yourselves heard. Andy, have you got some more for us? Yeah, can I first say I hope it. I hope the new stand doesn't go up as quickly as the uh, the old stand came down because I, I don't think it's going to pass a... Uh, any sort of uh, health and safety certificate. Um, yeah, I've got a few here. Danny Williams, I'm not sure it's that one, um, says, the good, Gary Bennett going down in the last minute against Brighton for a penalty. Superb from Benno making Steve Foster, remember him used to wear a um, headband? Um, Steve Foster bringing him down with the slightest of touches. Bad, fuming. John Newby scoring an injury time for Bury 1-0, running behind the goal and gloating. Yeah, I remember that. I wanted, I was in the other stand, but I, I wanted to kill him as well. Uh, right, Lee Williams in the late 70s with my dad and tied with a cushion my nan had made for me so I could sit on the barrier. Um, Tim, you've read that one. Doesn't matter. It's fine. It's so good we said it twice. Uh, Steve P. Wee Williams, uh, lots of good memories, but one that stands out is standing in the middle <clears throat> of the cop with my bro watching Hughesy's overhead kick rattling the neck. My brother Carl sadly passed away last year. Steward number 24 in the Rex Went stand. Uh, Gareth Roberts said lots of great memories, but if I had to pick one, you'll be standing in a cop with my dad when we beat Arsenal in the FA Cup. He didn't fancy, go- <clears throat> he didn't fancy going. He thought we were going to get battered. He was glad we got a ticket in the end. Stato says, I remember the joy of going to my first game. The sights, the smells, the sounds. Bovril, the Wrexham Lager Brewery, wafting away. Fag smoke, standing by the green fence at the front because it was too late to get a good spot. The sheer pandemonium when we scored. Right, Carl Gibson. My mate was a ball boy behind the cup goal. The crowd was silent. A lone voice shouted, Oi, ball boy. My mate turned and looked into the cop. Your ears are bigger than the FA Cup. The cop burst into laughter. My poor mate wanted the ground to f- swallow up, swallow him up. JR says the Real Zaragoza game tops them all for me, including Wales versus Spain, Arsenal and Boston. Just a great night and real atmosphere. A couple more here. West Ham in the snow. Kizzer's goal versus Ipswich says AHJW. And Kevin Caswell-Jones says, I remember the 80s. Lots of aggro. Pretty scary for a kid. The cock singing, ooh, spot the loonies, as opposition fans were led from the touchline. This might be why you were terrified at, uh, petrified at Port Vale. Whilst 14-year-old Red fans were giving it the old, let me at them. Liam, have you got a few more? I have indeed, including what I can only assume is our first and only ever tweet from a dog. Angus the Sheepdog um, p- picks up on a match which seems to be quite popular, which is Wrexham versus Rail Zaragoza. It was this dog's first match, first match on the cop. I'm not sure if they think of letting dogs into the new cop, 
dogs. Maybe that's what you need to ask the club. Guide dogs are right. And also, <laughs> also former Wrexham player and Liverpool player Lee Jones, who we've had on this pod before, remembers making his debut in front of a full cop at 17 against Man United in the European Cup Winners' Cup. You can imagine that must have been a pretty special memory. Uh, Paul Griffiths uh, remembers a 4-3 match against Colchester in 1993 as an eight-year-old sat in the uni stand with his dad watching all the balloons being let off on the cop before kickoff. There was nearly 10,000 people there um, watching Wrexham get promoted and he also managed to take away some turf as a souvenir. Um, I wonder if that's still going, that bit of turf. Um, Phil, no surname, says Wales, England, home international in the mid-80s. Says it was proper mental in there. Um, it was an Arsenal lad. Oh, an Arsenal lad he was with bust his foot climbing over the fence at the end. He also remembers the little shop at the top selling Bovril. Um, then Nick Jones, so aged 10 during the successful 1977-78 to 78 season. His dad regularly carried a milk crate through the turnstiles onto the cop end for him to stand by the pylon to get a better view. I could probably do that, actually. Um, and then let's see, Niall recalls when David Moyes was managing Preston, he watched them beat us two weeks in a row, freezing his arse off. Um, the organisation of their team was like nothing he'd seen in the lower leagues back then. Uh, oh, and Lee Trundle remembers putting one in the top corner, then running to the cop. Well, I'm pretty sure that happened multiple times for Trundle, to be honest. And I think that's my lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of memories. Um, like again, thanks to everybody sending in. Sorry if we didn't read one out. Otherwise, it would have been a standalone, separate pod just to read everything. But it's pretty clear that everybody's got their own uh, own thoughts, special memories of, of the place. Um, I'll, I'll we'll do before we bring our guest in, who's waiting patiently. I'm just going to ask you guys what what your standout memories are. Liam, have you got anything that 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 sort of shines out for you from the cop? Yeah, I mean, it's not so much sort of a game moment, more as it was when we were going through the troubles with sort of Hamilton and Gutterman. And I think it was when Brighton came to town um, and there was a, a protest going on. I think it was the red card protest and they joined in, gave us loads of great support. And just remember the feeling at the end of the fans walking off the cop um, over to the Brighton fans. And for once, not any aggro going on, but just to thank them for all their efforts um, and people singing in unison. So, yeah, that was a quite a nice memory. Andy? Yeah, growing up, um, obviously the cop was the first sort of stand I really I really went to. Me, uh, Mark Williams, who went on to Trust Fame, uh, mate Nick and my mate Gary, stand in the same place, got there. It was a bit of a, like, routine, get the bus from Rose, stand, uh, stand get there quarter past two, um, watch it fill around, depending, you know, depending how, how big the game was. And... You know, from that period, because I was quite young then, uh, the one I really sticks out in me is, uh, I think it was, Tim, Was it? did we beat Colchester in the 92-93 promotion season in the last game of the season? And then we all rushed the pitch. I think Ooh. it was Colchester, wasn't it? I think it was 4-3. Yeah, I think it was. It was. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, that is that is my overriding memory because that was the cop for me in its pomp full loud vociferous stinking of many things uh and you know it it was just part of growing up there you go Reese, did you ever go to the cop 
I did indeed uh, a few times. Yeah, it was actually where me and my dad um, would go when we came up. As as I mentioned before, I, I you know I don't have that same emotional connection that you guys do. Obviously, it's such a part of the town and the club. And you know, for me and my dad, when I was younger, especially, we were more away game. Uh, we would go to more away games, things like Hereford, because they were much closer. Um, but for me, it's got to be um, Rex and Boston uh, when we stayed up. Even though obviously it ended up being just a just sort of delaying the death sentence. Um, I mean, I was right behind the, the the post when Valentine scored that penalty and it was just, you know, incredibly exciting for me uh, to watch that. And, you know, that, that it was absolutely packed that day. And there's a photo, isn't there, I think, from the Mold Road stand of the yeah. cop that day that I just love looking at um, because it's just it, it was just an incredible place, great atmosphere. Can you see yourself in it? I can't. I've tried. I don't think the resolutions are high enough, unfortunately. But I got a great picture of me um, looking like a right book wearing like a baseball cap. I think I was like, well, 12 or oh, whatever. They're, they're in vogue now, baseball caps. They're all those baseball caps. Now you were, you were a trailblazer, mate. I really was. I really was. Wow. Um, yeah, for me, just again, going with my, my parents, uh, meeting Jacko for the first time and obviously getting to know him. And Yeah, Jacko's important here. I don't mean we've mentioned Jacko enough, really. Yeah, I mean, there's a few people that mentioned it and never got around to, to the sweets, but yeah, Jacko was, was crucial to that and hopefully there'll be some sort of um, uh, some sort of tribute to him in this new stand, hopefully. But yeah, getting to meet him, just everything, everything about it. I mean, even somebody got their head stuck into that in that that fencing down down the front once, and Les Evans, God rest his soul, rushed over instead of helping the kid. Proceeded to take twenty or thirty pictures of this uh, stricken child crying its eyes out um, as it was stuck in the brains of the front. So yeah, Les, you ruthless, ruthless bastard. That's that's um, professionalism, that is, mate. So we're gonna bring we're gonna bring our guest in, in a second, but here's a quick poser for you. Last my, my last thing on the on the cop. Do you know when the concrete was laid down for the cop? Do you know when it was built? Is this the one where Priest Price Griffiths borrowed it in uh, in that <laughs> famous uh, story? Again, who's given this? Who's given this place a bloody? So you've got a local news agent and businessman sorting out the uh, doing the foundations for the cop. How did this get a health and safety certificate? I, I think, mate. I think was it early 70s, 69, 70? Um, nineteen fifty-two. Oh, okay. Well, that's not Price, and I'm completely wrong. Thanks very much for coming on uh, for this, Tom. So uh, I was on a podcast with Luke Walsh, who does quite a good sort of um, National League roundup a couple of weeks ago. Tom came on. He's a very knowledgeable Notts County fan. And as we cannot shake these guys off, if you can't beat them, invite them to join in. So Tom's going to come on. He's going to say a little bit about the county, where we think we are in the title race. Maybe go through some of the uh, some of the better players in the conference and who he thinks could be the sort of person to sort of spearhead uh, a title winning charge. So first off, Tom, who's going to win the league? <laughs> um, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, it's great to be on. And um, so, to, for the league title, I've said it all season, I, I think yourselves are going to win it. I think Wrexham will, will win it. I've gone on record quite a few times. Um, I just have a feeling, you know, a gut feeling that you will win it. I've had it all season. Um, so that would be my answer. 
unfortunately. So how good are County? Mm-hmm. I, know, I know we've sort of said this a few times that I, feel, I think their first 11 is spot on. Is it, is it underneath that that maybe you've, you've got a bit of a, a bit of a problem? Now, and I know when we're on Luke's, Luke's podcast, I sort, of, I sort of said that this title sort of running r- reminds me of us versus Fleetwood uh, 10 years ago. But yeah. we're now Fleetwood, and I think you're now Wrexham. Like on your day, you can beat anyone, and you could probably beat us. But I just wonder when you know when you start getting the suspensions, when you start getting the injuries, if you've got the strength and depth really. And the my other question is, Tom, do you have the resource to bring people in? Uh, I think you're spot on about the squad depth. I think we've got an even thinner squad now that Castro's gone. Um, I mean, he wasn't. A starter by any means, but he was a useful squad player. You know, he had something a bit different, which you know we didn't have. I think we've we, um, we probably have got the best eleven in the league, and I think that's when we come on to the players later. That was the toughest thing is that with with Wrexham, they've got you've just got an amazing team, but you haven't got you've got a load of really good players, but some of them don't stand out possibly more than you know. Not County, you've got a couple of obvious players who really stand out. Um, but have we got the resources? I'd say, yeah, we have got the resource resources to bring people in. It's whether we can guarantee them game time, because that's that first eleven so strong. Players like you know Sam Austin um, has had to wait a long time to get in the team, uh, and then Castro currently got ten minutes every other week. But we do desperately need some more players, I think, because when we say it's boring wood in the week when we're struggling for a goal. Um, with all due respect to him, you know, bringing Mitchell on, it's not um, the same level as what you guys can bring on, you know. So that's the that's the difference, I think, at the moment. So we need to sign someone. Don't know who it is, but we need to sign someone in the attacking third, I would say. Yeah. Um, so you've got the resource to go and do that, especially if you freed up with Castro going away. Um my my other sort of question: How much of a coup is it to get Luke Williams on that on that long term uh, deal? Because I'll be honest, I thought he might be a strong contender for the for the Pompey job, the job he's done with you. So yep. that's actually flipped, and you've actually got him to two thousand and twenty seven. Is it? Yeah, twenty seven. So four four and a half years. Is that right? A four and a half year deal extension. I think it's massive. I think it's absolutely massive because he is um, the first manager we've had for a long, long time. Um, definitely at this level uh, we've all been behind even with Burton who got us playing some good stuff there was always half the fan base that didn't want him from the start we didn't want to, and there's always half that didn't want to get rid of Ardley but with, with this with Luke Williams he's the first manager that we've, we've all been behind you know every single member of the fan base absolutely loves him he's got us you know the fans and the players sort of believing in a collective effort. And I think even if we don't go up, which I hope, obviously I hope we do, and you know, I like to think we, we should do the quality we have, but even if we don't, we're not, we don't need to panic. We've, we've got him now secured long-term and he will take us up, whether it's this season or next season, he will take us up. And he's the kind of manager that um, he's that well-respected and he's clearly a great coach. Um, the, the doubts whether he could be a good manager. I think so far he's, he's exceeded expectations and I think if we're looking at a long-term project which obviously yourselves are as well League One is sort of the ambition for us I'd say and I think he's the kind of manager he's been linked with Portsmouth for a League One so I'd say he's definitely a League One calibre manager and I think the fact we've got him for four 
possibly in almost five years is yeah is absolutely massive and I think he he could even be the difference he's he's what is keeping us in this race him on his own I think he's just he is that good so yeah I think he's brilliant Tom can I ask you about the FA Trophy I mean not um you've just been knocked out uh yeah. by Maidstone uh penalties at Meadow Lane are you the same as us just relieved that you're out really you can focus on the league um not, no, I'll be honest. Just me as a stamp, first stamp, I would quite, quite, have, quite like to have gone to Wembley. I think it was a good opportunity to to go um, because you're not going to get if we get out of this division. Yeah, maybe maybe in the playoffs in another season, but hopefully we don't have to. Um, and we put out a pretty strong team as well. It wasn't um, like you know you against Altrincham, you've put out um, second string side, so it's a bit disappointing. Um, to be honest, a bit disappointing. Fair enough. I mean, uh, going back to what Andy said about the, the the season that we had where we missed out to Fleetwood and got 98 points. Um, I mean, funnily enough, uh, Adam Virgo of BT Sports said on BT a few weeks ago that, you know, Notts had a stronger start on 11 and we had a stronger squad. Um, pilloried by Wrexham fans, obviously, but as uh, our own Andy Gilpin said that way before, um, maybe he's listening to you, Andy, is he? Do you reckon he's still on that with you? Um, yeah, we me, me and Adam do talk quite quite often actually. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, he, he's stealing a lot from me. Yeah. So any abuse you send to Adam Burger, please send to Andy as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Copy me in. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, two shits in the post, one for Adam and one for me. Yeah, exactly. But the the what the the reason I bring it up is because you know that season, obviously, we lost a couple of players in the January transfer window, and we didn't have the resources. Um, to um to react to it and uh, you know you guys probably do as you've already mentioned um but also you know we had an FA cup run so which added to our fixture congestion it was crucial for money um you guys don't have that now you haven't had it you're out you guys are doing really well in terms of fixture congestion yeah. you haven't really had many injuries you know we have lost this season Mendy for quite a lot of it um Lennon Linton John Davis scored 20 goals for us last season and he's been out for most of it do you think that you could still do it? Is it dependent on you keeping your squad fit, essentially, and maybe getting someone in? Yeah, well, you're right about the congestion. That is, I mean, um, that's just, that was just me personally speaking about when I think the vast majority of our fans actually are happy. I think most of them wanted to go out. Uh, and uh, uh, you have to take the positives from it. Obviously, it is good that we're not going to be playing. And you, you're still in the FA Cup, which, you know, we're secretly quite happy about as well because of the fixtures, you know. Um, so that that's something we haven't got to worry about. But you are right about the injuries. We've been very lucky. I mean, Rawlinson was injured, but he's not, you know, all respect to him, he's not a key player. He's not a Langstaff for Rodriguez. So it, it does it, it does hinge on that. I think if either of those two are out, or Chickson as well, um, because we're so so thin at left-back, we haven't got another left-back in the squad. So those three, if any of those three are out long-term, we're in a lot of trouble, like you say. So it does depend, and we just got to really hope that we do because our squad is so thin. It's, it's got so much quality, but it's so thin. We've got to hope no injuries. Um, Tom, uh, another thing that you you do quite a bit on Twitter is you sort of go through and do like scouting reports on players popping popping down into into the conference. So obviously, you look at them quite 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 closely. You, you do a lot of video clips together. Now, <laughs> let's have a bit of a debate. Why don't you sort of say in reverse order who you think the five best players in in the conference are, and then we could maybe I won't say challenge you on it, but we could uh, it would be an exchange of uh, exchange of ideas. So in number five, who do you think 
Yeah, well, I, I've got quite a few honourable mentions, but I'll leave those at the end because I, I don't want to give away who I've, who I've not put in. Uh, but number five, I've gone for Hayden. Aaron Hayden, I've gone for at five. Um, I think it was between Nuts. him and the Carter. Yeah, I knew that would go quite, go down quite well. And it's you know, it's genuinely isn't because of that. Uh, it's between him and Laparta uh, at, at Southend for best centre back in the league for me. And I've, I, when I was looking through making the list, uh, he's. I know you not you don't judge a centre back on his attacking output and return, but he's in the top ten scorers in the league, which is, you know, absolutely ridiculous. In that top ten list, there's um, McShane is more of a midfielder, but other than that, they're all strikers. And then you've got Hayden as a centre back. I think that's ridiculous. He's you know he's athletic, he's strong, um, he's a brilliant defender, and I think he will come up big for you at both ends of the pitch. I mean, against Solihull, cleared it off the line, didn't he? So. Um, He's got that in him, and I do think he's the, he's the best central defender in the league. So I've gone from at five. I think this list it could have been very easy for me to put all attackers in, but I wanted to get you know a good spread. And I think he's he's a player that's way above the national league, way way above. Tom, you've made a popular start. Now the only sort of grey area is uh, should should Hayden have been higher? But you know, um, obviously we've got a vested interest in that. I think you're right. I think Hayden is vitally important to us at both ends of the pitch. And when we didn't have him at the back end of last season, uh, our sort of playoff tilt really fell apart. I also think he's one of these players who's going to get better and better um, as he grows older, more experienced. Centre halves don't really come into their own until mid twenties, so he's starting to. Eat hit the, the sweet the sweet spot there. Uh, any more on Hayden before we go to number four, guys? Don't think we're going to get much argument from uh, from <laughs> from us on that one. Um, class. No, it, That's I think if you to look at, if yeah. to look at wears, crucial he, players um, in our squad, he'd be right up there, wouldn't he? Simple as. He wears a magic hat. <laughs> he does. Um, right, who are you going to go for number, number four, Tom? Um, well, number four, just quickly, I didn't, I didn't mention Carl Cameron in the best hours. He's, he would be also um, mentioned, but he's got mistaken in more than Hayden, I'd say. So that's why he didn't quite feature in the debate. But four, uh, I've gone for a Chesterfield player. I've gone for Jeff King. I, um, I think I'm a massive fan of Jeff King. I think he's a, an absurdly good fo- a footballer. He's uh, extremely talented for a right back. You know, um, a lot of the players, the wing backs in this league, they play at wing back and they get forward and they do well. But he's playing in a back four, and he's his attacking output is uh, is ridiculous. He's um, scored the most free kicks in the league. Um, he's scored, I think, three goals on his left foot from outside the box. He's, and he's a right back, like. And again, I know they're not judged on attacking output, but he is also a really good defender. Um, you know, he's won something like sixty five percent of his um, defensive duels. I think something like that. He is um, a top, top, top player. And he's Chesterfield's best player, in my opinion. And he's the, he's the best wing-back or full-back in the league for me. Um, yeah, so he's gone at four there for me. Uh, I couldn't put him any higher than that, I don't think, with the, the top three, but I've gone for him there, yeah. Yeah, um, again, I'd agree from what I've seen at Chesterfield. I think King is is a really good outlet for them. Uh, you know, when you're sort of looking around and going, right, if we go up, who can we cherry pick straight away? I'm thinking King would be a good one. Right age, um, you know, can go up a few levels. Because, you know, when Parkey sort of came in, um, he was buying players to get us out of the league. But then you have to think about the long-term plan here. And King, I think, what was he, about 26, 27? Yeah, um, I think he's 26. He might have just turned 27, actually. But yeah, yeah. he's 26. Yeah. 
yeah, you you're looking at a Mendy sort of level wing back there, and I think you know to have two good two good options for us there. Yeah, well, I mean, as you can tell, Tom, we're using this as a scouting report. So thanks very much. Um, any more on King before we move to number three? No, don't know much about him. Sounds like a darts player. <laughs> right, showing our ignorance now of the uh, non-league <laughs> after all these years. I mean, if you look at when Chesterfield do win, like if they do, you know, a, a three or four nil victory, which they've had a few this season, King always seems to get on the score sheet, and he does have a wicked set set piece on him. Uh, right, who are you going to go for number three, Tom? Uh, yeah, and, and again, you did mention Mendy there at the start of the season. I said he was the best um, wing back or full back in the league. And that was when he was born Wood. I said that. So um, if he had been playing, maybe he would, maybe he'd be near this list. But obviously, he's been injured. So I can't really um, include him. But three, I've gone for another Notts County player. Oh, first Notts County player, sorry. And it is uh, Macaulay Langstaff. I've gone for. Not been scoring many of late. Yeah, not been scoring as many as late, but he's still top scorer in the league. Um, I think his overall game maybe isn't as strong as some of the other strikers in the league, but he's, you know, without a doubt, uh, one of, if not the best finisher. Um, I think he's got probably the most transferable skills up the leagues. Um, you know, he he doesn't have many touches a game, really, but he um, seems to score all the time. I think he could go. I mean, the championship clubs are look, were reportedly looking at him and, I can see him scoring goals as high as that level because he has got that intelligence. He reads the game well. He's a really good striker of the ball. And I think you can't look past a player who has scored 20-odd goals already this season. Um, And he scored over 30 in the season before. I know it's a division below, but he's scoring goals. He's in form. And um, yeah, I think he's a really, really good striker. He's not the only striker in this list. Um, but he's the first one, as I said, and I've gone from it three. Yeah. Um, you sort of alluded to it there, but is he just a box player, uh, Tom, or does he does does he help him build up? Will he run down channels? Will he chase people down? Um, you know, or is he just the fox in the box? Well, for Gateshead, he was very much a, a wide forward. He, for Gateshead, he ran the channels. Um, so when he signed, we thought we were getting sort of really quick. Striker, he looked really rapid for Gates. I wouldn't say he's as quick as as, as we thought he was. He's still quick, but he's not as rapid. Um, but he does work really hard off the ball. He presses and works tirelessly. Um, so he doesn't do a lot in build up. I think he has fifteen touches a game. I think it is, and five of them in the box. That's, that might be wrong, but at the top of my head, something like that. Um, it's you know like about a third of his touches in the box. It's like he's, he doesn't touch the ball a lot. Um, so he's not involved in that ball really at all. But what he does do is he drags players out of position. Um, you know, he, and he, he often, as soon as he gets the ball, two or three defenders close him down and then someone else is free. So he, he does help in that regard. But yeah, he it, for, for us, Luke Williams has, has made him a, a, a box striker. So he wasn't originally a box striker, but Luke Williams has, has made him into that this season. Yeah, I sort of think you're right there. If um, If you've got a coach like Luke Williams who can make players better... He's seen something in him and slightly amended his game, and it seems to have uh, seems to have paid off. Any more on uh, Langstaff, guys? My only surprise is that you didn't put him higher up your list, to be honest. But he, um, no, I think he. Would you say that he's exceeded your expectations in terms of, you know, sort of goals? Massively, massively. I, 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 I wasn't sure how many goals he would get because, um, you know, obviously he's from the division below. 
I wasn't expecting him to be a, a fox in the box either. So he's he's massively exceeded. This. If he'd got if he'd given me what he's got now at the end of the season, I said that was a really good season, and he's still got half the season to go. So yeah, he's been immense. It's just natural instinct, isn't it? I mean, all the best strikers have got natural instincts. He doesn't he doesn't have to think too hard about what he's going to do. It comes to him, he knows what he's doing with it. He doesn't have to overthink it. It's just it's just all down to, to natural instincts and. That's what makes him the striker he is, and I'm in agreement with Tom. I think he, I think he can definitely cut it a higher level, and I would not at all be surprised if within the next 12 months he won't be playing his trades in the sort of second tier or there or thereabouts. Right, number two. Now I, I, I can, I can think of one notable absentee so far, but I'd like to see how they sort of, uh, they sort of. How are you going to sort of pick it? So who are you going for number two? Number two, it's my second Wrexham player on the list. It's, it's Paul Mullin I've gone for. Um, I think I've gone for him higher than Langstaff, maybe controversial, lots of fans might, might not be very happy with me um, for saying that. But I think he, his overall game is better than Langstaff's. Um, he's got nearly as many goals. Um, he's a nightmare to defending, isn't he? He's, he's a sort of... The thing with Mullin is that he's... Um, he's got so many different like aspects to his game, and he's also a player that you can rely on to perform in in those big big moments. And like when when you need a goal late on, or you know you need a goal, he is there, and he, you know he's capable of smashing one from outside the box. But he can also score goals in the box. He, he does work hard as well. Um, and there's a reason he scored so many goals at a high level before when he signed him. Obviously, he dropped down a level. He, he's banged him in that level, and he's done it again another two seasons on the run. He'll get 30 this season, definitely, I think. And he'll probably get the same amount in League 2. I don't see why, if you go up, why he wouldn't score that many goals again. And, yeah, I mean, he's just an unbelievably good footballer, isn't he? He's too good for this level. Um, and that's why he's gone at two. Maybe you guys might think he should go at one, but I've gone from it two. Interestingly, uh, he's actually scored more goals than Langstaff in all competitions this season as well. So he's 20, 24 in 28 and Langstaff's got 22 in 26. Let's see how the next two games pan out for, for Knotts. <laughs> very close, isn't it? Very, very close, but very comparable. Yeah, uh, he's doing all right, isn't he? Yeah, he's quality. And I think, it, 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 you know, Mullins' overall game, you know, when people um, think of him, maybe don't watch him play, they probably think, oh, you know, he's just a fox in the box, great finisher. But when you watch him, you know, the game last week um, uh, against Bromley, you know, tracking back on his own, making a great challenge in like the eighth, in the 75th minute or whatever it was, you know, he, he works unbelievably hard. Um, and I think he plays a similar role. We talked about this actually, when we had a Stockport County fan on the podcast last year, you know, Paddy Madden as well, like these people who people think they're mercenaries and they've dropped down divisions and they're there for an easy time. And, you know, the, the, their professionalism and Mullins professionalism is, is so obvious to see. Uh, and he, he gives everything plays 90 minutes, almost every game. Like it's very, very impressive. Yeah, I think the other thing about Mullin is it's not just what he brings on the pitch. He's been a class act for 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 Wrexham off it as well, um, even even down to his political <laughs> allegiances, which I probably shouldn't shouldn't mention because it would get Reese in trouble. But um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm so impressed with him. Not since Trundle and Morel, I've, I've we had such a good strike partnership. Right before we go to number one, should we just do a quick straw poll of who the the rest of uh, the fearless pod think it's going to be Tim. Oh, 
Uh, Rodriguez, maybe. It's obvious. Liam. It's obviously Rodriguez. There's no doubt about it. I don't know. He's up there, isn't he? I think, I think we're unanimous on that, aren't we? <laughs> well, I was actually going to go for Christian Dibble, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's Rodriguez it's as well. One. Tom, put us out of our misery. Yeah, you're all spot on. It is Ruben Rodriguez. It had to be. It had to be Rodriguez. He is, um, yeah, the best footballer in this league, in my opinion. Um, obviously, I'm a bit biased. He is playing for knots, but he, if you watch him, um, that Mark White clip of the week, went viral saying, you know, you know, you watch players on video and, and whatever he said. But as, as as much as that clip was great praise for him, I didn't really get why he said that he didn't think Rodriguez would be a threat in the first place. Because if you watch him, I feel like you just, you know how, how good he is. He can create, he can score. Um, he's right up there with the uh, in terms of goals and assists. Um, he had a really quite slow start to the season as well for goals and assists. And at the start of the season, he was playing like almost as like a, not an offensive midfielder, he was, he was on the front foot, but he was pressing. He was he was doing more defensive work than he was attacking. So he's got that side to him. Um, I think if he was slightly, if he took football slightly more seriously, he he'd be playing at least League One, at least. I think he's um, you know he's quite he's he's a young lad as we'll say that I've just, you know seen him out in town a few times and stuff. But um, he's but he's a fantastic footballer. He's got the most talent I think in the league and I think he um yeah he deserves the spot number one you probably you probably could say it should be Mullin or someone else I, I might have missed someone out but I've gone for Rodriguez yeah are you saying that he hasn't got a good attitude no definitely not definitely not yeah you catch me out there no he's got he has got a very good attitude and he, he could Wrexham get in his head this January by uh telling him we'll pay him 10 grand a week if he moves over yeah, well, yeah, uh, hopefully not, hopefully not, but <laughs> he, he, he would be worth it, he'd be worth the money, and yeah. um, he is, yeah, no, he's, he's a good he's a good lad, and he uh, he does work hard, um, I, you know, he is a really good player, and he is a good lad. No, he is. You, can, you can just see he's got... Grand, <laughs> on top of that 10 grand, we'll also do a, a lifetime pass to Liquid and Envy. Oh, wow. There he's there. He might, um, he might, he might take it. Yeah, no, hopefully not. He, he does love, he loves Nottingham. I think. In all seriousness, if you don't go up, is there ever a chance that we could get Rodriguez? Do you think? Um, he's on a free at the end of the season, so um, uh, we wouldn't be able to stop you taking him. It's not like we, it's not like we could um reject the bid. You know, like uh, that's why you know we wouldn't sell any players to. I think you know in January, um, no chance of that. But um. But like at the end of the season, he can he's he's probably going to walk away because he he's not signing a new deal yet. If we went up, he there's like a ten percent chance he might sign a new deal. But um, I think it all depends on sort of offers he gets. I think he'll, he'll he'll be not short of a lot of offers because on a free transfer, he he would be a very 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 good signing for whoever. So, but I hope he doesn't join, I hope he doesn't join. I, uh, you know, hope I hope, I hope for his sake he play he goes really <laughs> high up the leagues. And for our sake, he doesn't join you, but you know, um, you can never say never. Can I ask you about um, someone I've always been impressed by when I've seen him play for Chesterfield, uh, Armando Dobra? And yeah. um, you know, how how highly do you rate him? Yeah, so um, a few weeks ago, I I said that I think he, he could have done more for them, but in, in those few weeks since, he's been unreal, and obviously, even the FA Cup has been unreal. So I've eaten my words on that one quite a, uh, quite a bit there uh, because. 
when he came into the division, he had this massive reputation anyway, because obviously I think he was linked with Premier League clubs a couple of years ago. Um, I think he was linked with Brighton. I think Brighton had a bid turned down from a few years ago. And you can see why, because he's, he's so good on the ball. And he's I think he's 21 as well. So he's got so many years ahead of him. Yeah, you're right. He's a really, really good player. He would get near the top, top five. He'd probably be top, would he be top 10? Maybe, maybe top 10. Well, go on, hit us with some notable, notable mentions then, Tom. Uh, so and, Andrew Dallas, I thought, was almost there for Solihull. He was in there. Um, I'm a big fan of Elliot Lee for, for, for you guys. I think he, had he played more early, I think he should have started him against us at Meadow Lane. I think that was a mistake from, from Parkinson. I think he's a fantastic footballer. Um I said Laparta at Southend, the centre-back. I've not mentioned any goalkeepers either. Um, Ashmore at Boreham Woods, very good goalkeeper, and he's 100 kilograms or something. He's a big, big old lad. And he's a good keeper. Um, I, heard, um, I heard someone describe uh, Ashmore earlier in the week as the end-of-level boss. Yeah. The guy you just, <laughs> yeah. The guy you need to get past if you're going to get promotion from the, uh, from the uh, conference. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we played them on Tuesday, that goal was, I think, unsaleable. It looped over him, but other than that, we couldn't get past him. He's he's a, probably, I'd say, up there for best keeper. Um, there's, obviously, there's loads of players in this league, um, so it was, was hard picking a five, but I think the top three pick themselves, maybe. Uh, Matt, Matty Palmer, I've, I've not mentioned him either at Notts. He's a signed new deal for us. He's underrated player. I mean, he missed the penalty today, so maybe maybe that was him. Back in my mind, but um, no, in all seriousness, he's brilliant as well. So there's loads of players. Oh, Palmer as well for you guys. Over Palmer, both Palmers, very good. Um, yeah, there's loads, loads of good players. Can I ask you about the title race again, Tom? I mean, you've got a massive game on Tuesday, which is obviously enormous. I mean, and you've got another big game after that, obviously a tough one away at Solihull. Not is it away at Solihull or is it? Uh, yeah, it is. It is away. It is. Yeah. It's away, isn't it? You've got two. Um, tough games coming up. I mean, how pivotal are these, do you think? Because there's obviously a fair chance that when the game starts next Saturday, Wrexham could well be top, albeit very temporarily. Yeah, they're huge, huge games. Um, Chesterfield is one I'm really nervous about because they obviously they're in good form. We struggled against them um, at Meadow Lane. They, I mean, we were it we had like a five minute turnaround. It was crazy, but they they were all over us. They were tuned up all over us. And obviously, um, you've seen how good they are. Plays you beat yourselves as well. So I'm really nervous about that one. It'll be fiery atmosphere. Solihull as well. I, I back us to beat Solihull. Maybe I'm taking them lightly. They are a good team, but I think they, this season we've got too much for them. But yeah, you're right. Back to back away games. That you know, it's massive. Would you take four points if they were offered to you now? Oh, good question. Very good question. Yes, I would. I would take it. Um, I would. I'd be a bit gutsy if we beat Chesterfield and we end up with four points. To be honest, but uh, if we can come away from Chesterfield without losing, that would be would be good. We'd be quite happy if you could draw at Chesterfield. That would. That would. Yeah, uh, that would help I, us out. I, I just want to stay in touching distance. We've been touching distance for the running until we play you, really, because we've got a pretty good record at your ground at recent times so but obviously you've got a pretty good record this season so Tom um, final sort of question from me why are you guys so good away from home yeah I I, 
I don't. I haven't got like an answer for you. We've got a formula. I think we've we've took up, we've had good support this season, um, and there's that belief behind the players. You know, um, a lot of people that travel now, we're all behind Luke Williams. I think he's he's the main reason is that you know we all get behind him in the past at weight games. You've had you know, a lot of murmurs, discontent. Oh, it's rubbish. But you know, we st- we stick to how we play. Like we we don't. Um, we don't go away from home and think, oh, we better sit off here. You know, like we we attack and we play our game anyway. Uh, and if anything, I think what actually helps us away from home is teams think, oh, we're, we're at home here. We'll have we'll have a bit of a go, and they they make mistakes and we punish them. Whereas at Mayo Lane, there's been a few times where teams have just sat in, and we've not been able to break them down. If teams actually come have uh, try to play against us, we. In nine times out of ten, if we go toe to toe with the team, we'll beat them. So I think maybe it's a combination of those, but Luke Williams, I'm going to say, is the reason. Luke Williams. I'm just curious to see um, if if not pass you know, past teams to death. Has that been the style of the season? Because somebody mentioned the other day in, in, the, in the wake of the, the draw against Boreham Wood that um, it was almost sort of Birchnell esque, your ex manager, and that was a little bit flat, a little bit reticent. So I suppose my question is, do Notts County have more than one way of winning games? Because we feel with with Wrexham they can they can turn it on as we saw at Coventry, and then they can they can roll their sleeves up and grit it out as we saw against Bromley on Tuesday. So yeah, I was just wondering if 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 the county have the ability to to mix it up um, when it when it's needed as well. Yeah, I think we have had it more so this season. Definitely last season we didn't. We had we had one. Last season we had one way of playing and that was passing and that was it. This season, Lou Williams got us playing a little bit more with intensity. I would say we I would say we pass teams to death necessarily. That's the games we have dropped points in there, we have been flat, like Yeovil, we couldn't break them down. Boringwood couldn't break them down. So there are times where it's happened, but um we do have more than one way, definitely. Like Maidenhead away, we we got a last minute goal. But I think that's where we need new players because our bench is now starting to look a bit thin and that was probably the issue on on Tuesday, whereas normally he's not been starting Scott a lot of the time, so we've got Scott to come on and he wasn't one I mentioned. He, he'd probably be near the top five players, I didn't mention him earlier. You can bring him on and he changes the game, whereas our bench on against Bournemouth, they're pretty much all defensive players to bring on, so it's um, it's one of them, but does, I, Scott have, does Scott have Welsh heritage with his first name being Cladwin? I was just, just uh, I don't know. He might do. He, <laughs> he might. He might have. To be fair, he might have. Um, but yeah, he's got. He has got. Yeah, it's definitely got to be Welsh name, hasn't it? So maybe he has. Maybe he has. But uh, I don't know. We need Brian Flynn to go around, trick him into <laughs> it. He plays well He'll be. Uh, he'll be in the squad. Yeah. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be on the plane to Croatia in March. There you go, Cladwin Scott, derailing Notts County's uh, promotion bid. There we are. Yeah, uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Really interesting to, to have you on uh, and to get so much uh, detail on those players. And obviously, we wish you the best of luck in the rest of the season, but not that much luck. No. So, yeah, cheers. Yeah, not a huge amount of luck, yeah. Yeah, likewise, guys. Thanks for having me on. And um, obviously, yeah, good luck. And um, but hopefully, hopefully you'll... You, Hopefully, you get promoted but through the playoffs. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah let's see. Oh, <laughs> Cheers, Tom. <laughs> Cheers, Tom. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Liam, 
what's the phosphate and how will it stop 600 people from taking their new place in the cop? <laughs> God, you can't throw questions on me like that, just like that. I love to finish every podcast on a phosphate. <laughs> I forgot to ask him earlier, let's... so I'll ask him now. <laughs> Let, let's talk poos and peas. Um yeah, I think we've did, we've sort of gone over it a bit in the previous thing, but obviously the context of this being that uh, the club put out a statement earlier this week clarifying that the new COP, as it stands, would not necessarily be at full capacity when it opens. So I think what was said was 4,900 as opposed to 5,500. Um, this is with the, the sort of the caveat that the club's looking to get that restriction lifted so when people ask what the the issue is um quite often people just come back with phosphates and everyone looks blank and says what the hell are phosphates and quite rightly to be honest um so i'm 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 just reading this off the top of my brain i haven't got it sort of written down anywhere but phosphates are naturally occurring minerals which enter rivers via land management practices aka farming etc sewerage poos and peas and foul water and they cause significant ecological damage so you know just in case you're all wondering what a phosphate is there's your definition just off the top of the dome anyone wants to know anyone wants to know any more about um phosphates and and yeah. and the impact uh, on I'm development? still confused mate I'm still confused so we can't have 600 people in because because why because we'll be producing too many phosphates what if we put 5,500 in but said that some of them couldn't have a piss? Is that all right? <laughs> My underst- <laughs> I think I've, I'm, I need to double check this, but I think the reason for the 4,900 is basically the fallback position is, well, we could just, well, we can't now because we knocked it down, but the, at the planning meeting, the fallback position was, well, we could op- go and just open up the cop and we've already got permission to have that number of people on there anyway. So maybe that's what's up, up over and above the permission for the old cop compared to the new cop, if that makes sense. So the club have already got permission for capacity for that amount on the stand. Um, a, a lot of it, like the sort of the background to it though, is Natural Resources Wales, I don't know, I think it was a couple of years ago now, essentially said there's too much phosphates, too much pollution in Welsh rivers. Um, you need to take this into consideration before you develop anything. Um, people's main bugbear with it is there wasn't they weren't actually offering any solutions to it as such. So housing developers, you know, in our instance, a football club has now essentially got to think, well, how can we mitigate this without anyone really offering um, any solutions? But I, th- I think there is work going on to do it. There's stuff to do with more dull stuff to do with water treatment plants in Wrexham. Um, and improvements to those and all, all sorts of different things which hopefully mean that people will be able to get over the hurdles but it's a, been more than a bit of a bugbear for developers as you can imagine. So my mum likes to blame Mark Drakeford for everything in Wales. Can we blame Mark Drakeford and will he will he subside his reign of terror if Ryan Reynolds does a Twitter campaign against him like he like he did the Vanarama? On dangerous territory well, I mean, I'm Consider your response carefully. Please. I mean, I'm, gl- I, I'm I'm glad she doesn't call him Dripford because uh, yeah, you hear oh, that no, one every now does. and again. She but does. no, I'm, don't worry. 
<laughs> oh Christ, we're in we're in dangerous territory there. Then, um, but there's a sim there's a similar situation in England would be the counterpoint to that. Essentially, I think places like Somerset have got very similar problems with the regulatory body being pretty much of the same mind in England as it is in Wales. So, no, as much as people would love to, I don't think we can blame poor old Mark Drakeford. You know, he's, he had a tough time as it was with with all the COVID rules and people saying he wanted to be different. Um, but now we can't malign him too much on this one. And on that note, <laughs> let's uh, let's end today's podcast. Thank you all so much for listening once again. First of all, though, predictions. Uh, do I get my five points for pre- correctly predicting 2-1? Yes. Are you going to do your forfeit from last year first before you pick up those points? I've done it. Uh, I, my teeth were extracted um, a couple of months ago. Quite <laughs> some right. Okay. Yes. So can you show me said teeth and not just like stealing from a corpse? Because we don't want you grave digging again, Reese. Oh, not okay. after last time. Not after last time. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I do think we should start the league again, starting from Tuesday night. So, Okay. And then start and end the league. All right. Okay, um, I also went 2-1, so, you know. You did as well. Fair play. There we go. Five, five, zero, um, one point each for Liam and Tim. Um, but anyway, maybe more. I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, this week end, what's the uh, predictions for the Maidstone away, uh, Andy? I wish I had tickets to go, but now I can't because I've got to redecorate a flat in Clandidno. Um, anyway, that's... that's... <laughs> It sounds like an Alan Partridge TV in idea, doesn't it? Redecoration in Clan did no. Um, right, I'm going to go. I think we'll win. I think the pitch will give us a bit of jip, so it's not going to be like a four or five niller. I think it's going to be a three one. Reese, you want to go next? Yeah, go on then. I think we'll win two, and I think we'll similarly to you, but I'm going to go two nil. Liam. Oh, I was going to go for a draw, but then I looked at how lowly they are and thought, oh, surely even we can't mess up that one, which we can. Uh, but I'll go one nil, Wrexham. Well, Tim, do you want to make it a full house? Yeah, I, you know, I just, I just in my head, you know, sometimes you just get an idea that we're shit in certain places, and for some weird reason, I just think that we have a crap record at Maidstone. I don't know, maybe we have or we haven't. Wash your mouth out. I saw Callum Powell's finest ever game for Wrexham at Maidstone and I said to my mate Chris at the time that's his finest ever game for Wrexham and Chris went no he's going to be a good player and yeah I was right did he produce a vanity mirror from within his waistband as a goal celebration (laughs) like a budgie (laughs) yeah (laughs) Callum the preening budgie Uh, alright then you know what let's make it a clean sweep I was going to say a draw as well but I'm going to go 2-1 Wrexham and there we have it. Um, let's hope that Wrexham can live up to this. Uh, when was the last time we won on an artificial pitch? I feel like it's been a while. Oh, no, Dorking. Dorking, of course. There we go. There, uh, and we beat them comfortably. Uh, it's 5-0, wasn't it? There we go. We're going to win 5-0. Before we sign off, though, we're going to ask our friend, uh, our brother from another mother, i.e. from a different podcast, Nathan Salt of Rob Ryan Red, if he can work his powers, his graphic powers again, and please do Callum Powell as a budgie. That'd be great. <laughs> there you go, Nathan. If you can Photoshop Cal- uh, Callum Powell as a budgie, you'll get another podcast point. Thank you all for listening, and we'll uh, see you all next week. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.